Venivores, a podcast about hunting for people who don't hunt, or haven't hunted, or haven't hunted much, want to learn, or want to learn. Feel that tingling in the back of my neck. You have to be there. You have to be there. You, you don't know it at the time, yeah. you know, but it sticks with you all your life. And you you don't experience those things unless you are a hunter. Welcome back to the New Venivores podcast about hunting for people who want to learn how to hunt and uh, are new to hunting and are new to outdoorsmanship in general, where we discuss my experiences as a uh, returning and newer to many of the different outdoor pursuits, uh, adults, specifically hunting and fishing. Um, and we use Miller's lifetime uh, of knowledge and experience in that subject to help guide me and uh, put those experiences out on the internet radio for everybody to grow and listen and take advantage of our experiences. And um, it's mostly about hunting and it's about fishing too. I'm Tony Martinson. And I'm Adam Miller. And uh, thanks for listening. So, last time we talked about uh, turkey hunting and uh, we just got like the worst blizzard since the Halloween blizzard of 91 coming through the Midwest here where we are. So that, uh, in my area doesn't start till, uh, the 17th. We're not quite there yet as we're recording this. So, uh, we're going to talk about something a little different this time, but, uh, has North Dakota season started? Yeah. It started this, uh, weekend here today. Recording on a Sunday. It opened yesterday. Okay. A lot of people punching tags already. Uh, most nice. of our snow is actually on the Western half of the state's gone already. Yeah. You know, we, we probably got, I don't think I got like four or five inches of snow on Thursday or something like that. And I mean, it's already gone. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not super warm, but, uh, yeah, right now everyone's telling me there's no ticks. I'm pretty excited about nice. that. I'm going to get out with my father-in-law this weekend. We're going to hit it, but you know, that's so the one right thing now I was excited I'm, about with the storm is it might tamp down the ticks a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right now I'm just sitting in my basement doing a little day drinking. So. Nice. I decided to go with coffee this time. We'll see how this works out for us. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm it's I'm a little upset. So I mean, oh, upset about what? I shouldn't let these things affect me, but I'm gonna tell the story. Okay. So wait, hold on before you tell the story. I know what I'll do. I'll put some Bailey's in my coffee. Hold on, just hey, a second. I need you to get on my level. Please. And we're back. I can't let you commiserate by yourself. So what's going on? <laughs> Well, I was I was working the other day, and I said I got this new, my own business venture thing, and I was yeah. working on one of my machines in a grocery store, and uh, they had like this fresh seafood stand thing there. Yeah. And they were so they had like these awesome looking scallops. They looked like half a baseball. They were huge. No, I can you see know? where this is going, and I'm already yeah. scared. They they had like these great like fresh salmon fillets, specific salmon mm. fillets, you know, with North Dakota Montana those are tough to get. Right. They had these giant king crab legs, you know. Everything looks just look fresh and awesome. And yeah. I'm I'm kinda of listening into these salesmen selling stuff. And uh this guy is like talking to him for a while and he's like, Well, okay, I'll take uh two pounds of walleye. And I was like What? We're like an hour from like 
one of the world's foremost walleye fisheries. What? <laughs> I, I, I almost died a little bit inside. You're talking about Sakakawea or Devil's Lake? It's, well, it's Missouri River System, which, mm-hmm. you know, it... Uh, Devil's Lake is part of the uh, diversion, right? No, totally different. Totally different from oh. the Missouri River System. But well, anyway. Never mind then. So, I don't know, maybe he was on to something, because I fished that same system this morning, and I didn't catch shit. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually personally feel like uh, I don't deserve to just buy, like, freshwater fish or in the grocery <laughs> store. Like, if I want fish, I need to go out and get them. Unless it's, <laughs> like, wild salmon or, uh, you know, shellfish of some kind that we can't get here, right? Which... yeah. I'm pretty much the furthest possible point on yeah. the continent away from saltwater. So it, it's tough. Yeah, you're like not a day's drive from the geographical center <laughs> of the continent. Yeah. So, you know, I'm it's kind of tough. The, yeah, I'm in the land of 10,000 lakes over here. So I feel like if I want fish, I can go, I can take three stumble steps and land on, you know, some panfish. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, on top of it, yeah, my boat's in the shop, but at least it can be fixed. So at least that's uh, what they're telling me. Not a cheap fix, but I'm waiting for that. So <laughs> another thousand, right? <laughs> I wish it was only that much. <laughs> well, here's to you, man. <laughs> yeah. Now <laughs> my day drinking thoroughly explains. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, even for like salmon and stuff, I think uh, I feel as though I'm close enough to the Great Lakes system here where I could get some lake trout and salmon out of there, which. We should make a trip. We should make a plan. But that's another story for another day, I think. I am down for that. We ha- we have salmon in the Missouri River system. Yeah? They're just, they're Chinooks. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're good, but they're they're different because they never see salt water. You know, they're only, yeah. so they're like, you don't get like that nice pink color yeah. to them. And I don't you know, know much I mean, about the salmon that make it into the Great Lakes system, like, at all. But uh, I think you can pull salmon out of Superior. Um, and I guess we can find out. Yeah. I mean, there's chart. I mean, yeah, the charters are actually pretty reasonable for us. Yeah. Especially if you get like, you know, three, four, five folks together, do a Mm -hmm. full day. You can like get in and out for a very reasonable price and put some fish in the freezer. So yeah, I'm down for that. Cool. We'll make a plan. Um, but today we thought it'd be fun to talk about, uh, something that I'm always on a quest to perfect. And I don't know if there is an answer to perfecting it, but uh, talking about our future bear hunt, maybe mm-hmm. next year at this point, right? But that's coming up faster than you might think, right? It was going to be this it'll year. Be, it'll, be, it'll be not this fall, but next fall. Minnesota doesn't have a spring season. Yeah, but I mean, like, if it was this fall and we hadn't postponed it, we'd be, like, really in the thick of planning and gearing up and getting ready and all that oh, yeah. stuff right now. Oh, definitely. And if, and maybe even a little behind if we weren't already well into that. So, uh, yeah. now is a good time to start talking about the needs and requirements of that so that we can make sure we're ahead of the game and well prepared. So we talked about our plan on sort of where to go. Um, again, I'm sure we'll probably have to keep an eye on that as the year goes by because conditions change and things like that. Um, but there's another aspect to this and this is what is the gear that you need to do this? Right. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing this, uh, or we have gone to the boundary waters together before, which is nice. We're sort of familiar, familiar with the area and the demands of, uh, spending some time out there, but walking out into the wilderness and, 
uh, living out of what you can carry on your back is no small, it's, it's kind of a tall order. It's not a trivial proposition, right? Um, and there are people who are very, very good at it, but uh, add on top of that, trying to successfully shoot and pack out, hopefully two bears, one for each of us. Uh, That's the plan. That requires some planning as far as gear goes. So the place to start is with the backpack. Yep. And what can you fit in it? And what can and you fit while, in it? While leaving room for other things to pack back out. And sort of the name of the game here is uh, as efficient as possible, right? Smallest amount, smallest weight, actually. Maximizing capacity for the smallest weight and the maximum utility of everything you can bring. Because when you're moving 20 miles a day, um, every extra ounce counts on your knees and ankles and energy expenditure throughout the day. We like to, in the hunting community, we like to call it going in, going in light, coming out heavy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely see that. And I'm like pretty well familiar from the just general backpacking camping side of things. Um, but I have only recently started thinking about the extra capacity that I would need to take into consideration when it comes to hunting out of a backpack. Because the mm -hmm. hunting I've done up until now is, you know, fishing out of a boat where you essentially have a floating room where you can bring whatever you want. Or a nice house where you essentially have a floating room where you can bring wherever you want. Or about. out of a pickup truck or out of a central cabin type location, right? So hunting mm -hmm. out of a pack is a different thing that I'm not going to, haven't taken into consideration before. So I have two packs. And one of them is the first one I got. Well, I have three packs. One of them, the smallest, or the oldest one is an old external frame backpack that I uh, used when I was a kid in the Boy Scouts. But it's surprisingly utilitarian, and I know people who swear by their external frame backpacks. Still, yeah. Because as much as you can do add-ons and things like that to an internal frame, um, there's endless points on an external frame to just lash things to and tie things to and do all that sort of crazy stuff, right? Um, plus, just the function of them is a little bit different and some people prefer it. And just to be clear, like by external frame, we mean those old school, like, look at old pictures of like Edmund Hillary and Tenzi on uh, their ascent of Everest and they're carrying external frame backpacks, if I remember right. Like it's just a metal frame that you hang some bags on, essentially, and it sits yeah, yeah, on your yeah. back. And an internal frame is more the modern type that has the rigid parts that hold the uh, shape of the pack inside the bag, which makes for uh, more carrying capacity in the bags themselves, and a little bit it, it tends to be more favorable in our modern times. So They're not as loud. That's one a big thing for hunters. Those, those yeah. external frame packs can be kind of squeaky. Yeah, they creak and clang and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have that big old Keltie that we brought into the Boundary Waters. I think we have the exact same pack that we bought for, from uh, Shields on Super Discount when he worked there. 100 bucks in like mm -hmm. 2000, whenever we decided that was. The 2000 aughts, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. um, but that's I think that's 5,500 cc's. And that yeah, it's huge. And that turned out to be... Way too much space. I had a bunch of dead space in there. And it's not overly heavy, but it's, again, every ounce counts. 
So, um, and then I recently bought a 40 plus 10 liter uh, Duder, I believe is how you say it, but that sucker is bright, bright, bright red, which when I'm backpacking, camping, no hunting involved, I want to be able to be seen and found very, very quickly, but I'm led to believe it's the opposite when you're hunting, <laughs> right? <laughs> Generally speaking. Okay. So those are the packs I have. I use, I mean, that 40 plus 10, that 50 liter is more space than I need even now. So I'm tending towards downsizing even more, but um, the perfect pack is being, is something I'm chasing and I don't know exactly what to look for. So the pack you need depends on what you need to bring in, right? what you're and what you do when you're when you're there yeah so i have so i have that pack the one that tony already described the kelty it's a great camping pack i've actually used the hunting too it's not a bad hunting pack um but it's kind of a darker blue so it's not super bright so it doesn't stick uh, out as bad it's not as unnatural of a color as bright red right uh, what else do I got? I've got another Kelty external frame with like a shelf on it. I think it's called the Kelty Cash Hauler. It's massive, and then it comes with like a little like thirty five hundred cubic inch ruck, which oh, you nice. can take off and has its own little pack. So I've got like this tiny little Camelback camouflage one that like a scouting uh, pack almost. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you can fit a camelback in there and, like, maybe, like, a tiny bit of rain gear or something. It's tight. Mm -hmm. I've got a Kuyu Icon. I want to say that's a 5600. Shoo, monster. Yeah, but so that one's, like, a carbon frame. So the whole thing is only, like, three pounds. Sounds pretty nice. So, yeah, it's a big pack and fit a lot of stuff in it, but just super light. Um I've got another Kelty, like, regular backpack. That's kind of like my go-everywhere type deal. Um, and then that's just a great size for, like, a day pack. Mm-hmm. And it's got, like, a light internal frame to it. So, I mean, I could actually pack out a deer on it if I wanted to. Yeah. Or see if I broke it down completely out of bone. Um, I, I've got so many packs. It's just... And it's this is a crazy internal fight I'm always having with myself. What do I actually need today? Right. You know? Well, and that's it, the thing for me too, is like, what do you actually need this for? And like, you got to be brutally honest about how you're going to use it and what your actual needs are. Otherwise mm-hmm. you're going to end up with buying every pack you see and then not knowing which one to use when the time comes. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, and then, you know, a lot of the hunting that we talk about, you don't actually need a backpack. You no. don't need it. You fit what you need in your pack. So this is more, you know, anytime you're, you know, backcountry, or even if you're planning on spending all day, it's nice to have a pack. Oh yeah, it's you easier, should. Just it's, for you know, it's just easier to put stuff, stuff on your back than it is to you know keep a sandwich in your pocket. So, <laughs> I am a big fan of the pocket sandwich, though. They do taste better once they get all squishy. You know? <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a big proponent of that mm-hmm. squishy squishy peanut butter and jelly. They won't spoil. You know? Dude, lots of lots of days have been made by a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of the pocket. I mean, you can, you know, just throw that in your pocket or your, your backpack and, like, you, a week later, you can still eat that. You try throwing, like, a ham and cheese in there and, like, you're going to be having the shits in the backcountry. <laughs> a PB&J will last, though. <laughs> it will. <laughs> Does it smell funny? Is it growing stuff? Then it's good. 
Just don't look at it. <laughs> just, just eat it in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so usually my internal conflict is. You know, I have that really nice Kuyu one that I, I got in a ridiculous closeout when they got their their new. Uh, uh, they went to like a new model, so even when I'm buying high quality stuff, I'm still looking for you know super deals. So like, mm-hmm. just because it was last year's model doesn't mean it's not a good pack anymore. You know, yeah. it's kind it's kind of like bows. For you sure, know, they're still <laughs> you know just for last sure. year's model still kills shit just as dead. Right. So right. you know so. And what the great thing about that that I kind of have, you can really cinch it down, so it's not so bulky. It's got like a right. lot of different cinch straps on it, so it becomes my day pack as well. Really, you know that's that kind of how that was the argument or you know settling the argument with myself and how I did it. So and but so I always always have that with like say let's let's just break it down like I'm elk hunting, and right. so that goes with me. Well, let's use the bear every, hunt as an example. Okay, let's go. Let's go on bear hunt. So that's where it's going to come with me, everywhere, right? Yeah. You know, and you literally, and unless you're sitting next to it, never ever take off your pack. You think you'll go back and find it? You will you not will go back not. and find it. It's camouflage. <laughs> yeah. it, it happens all the stinking time. So usually, what happens is, okay, you spot an animal. You're like, I want to get a little bit quieter, a little bit lighter. I'm going to go after this animal, I'm going to set down my pack, and I'll come back for it after I get this animal, you know? But here's what happens. You get there, and the animal's fed off a little ways, or you bump it, or, you know, it's just not what you expect it to be. So you're like, okay, I see it again, so I'm just going to keep following it and follow it. You know, you need to change directions, and, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, shit, where did I leave my pack? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and all, of you're, all of a sudden you're a mile from it, <laughs> you know? So... You know, keep your pack on. You know, then even and, if you do drop that animal, you got a mile to hike back to your pack to get everything yeah. you need, and then a mile hike back to your animal. Yeah, to get your you get your knives, to get your game bags, to get your tarp, to get your you know, just right. keep your pack on. Learn to shoot with your pack on, you know, or learn to shoot off your pack. That's a good one. Packs make a, a decent uh, rifle rest. Yeah. So now that brings um, up two good points, though. Three good points. Uh, so the thing with your kuyu strapping down that far is really nice too because like that's something that you run into with extra size in the backcountry i'm sure when you're trying to creep through the nasty hell holes under there to get close mm-hmm. and under brushes you don't want something big and bulky hanging off your back brushing up against stuff that you're not taking into consideration making a bunch of noise all that sort of stuff right certainly that's that's definitely one thing of it another thing is that if i if i get something down you know usually a big critter mm-hmm I want to make as few trips back out of there as possible. Because so all having this energy. A big, yeah, so having a bigger pack, I'm willing to sacrifice having a bigger cumbersome pack because I don't want to have like a dinky little day pack or a, you know a fanny pack or something like that that I can hunt out of for the day, and then like get an animal down and then have to go back to camp or the truck and fetch yeah. another pack and with basically coming out empty. Yeah, you know that's that's wait that's a waste. You know, so I want to be able to bring at least something back. Right. So this pack is designed in such a way that I can put stuff in it. I can actually I can flatten it completely with the pack still onto the frame and put like a quarter onto the outside of it and lash it to that. That would be nice. 
and you know but i'm all so that way if i get something down i'm always bringing something back with me right so and then you know then i'll usually I, so when i go on these types of hunts if i can i'll usually bring that kelty cash hauler that external frame oh yeah you know once with i have it's got like, it. yeah it's got a big shelf on it and, it and so it's a heavier pack but it's designed to carry very heavy loads yeah. So you know, a lot of extra padding in the lumbar and the shoulders, and That's so good. I, you know, so I, I usually I'll go back to camp, you know, bring grab that, put whatever, take the ruck off, or, or I can even leave the ruck on if I need some. If I got, you know, if I'm gonna be out there for a while, it doesn't, you know, I might not might want to throw a little bit of camping stuff in there just in case you have to spend the night in the mountain somewhere. <laughs> in case you get stuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah bear chase you up a tree or something like that. So, but I'll bring that cash hauler back out, and that's what I'll use to um, haul, you know, however many loads it needs. You know, if you get something pretty big, you know, it might take you, and or depending on how many people you got, you know. But it it's just a better pack for hauling a heavy load. For sure. Well, and so that brings up another point too, like dropping your pack and leaving it somewhere or whatever. Um, one of the new bits of gear to put in your pack that I will be purchasing for our trip is a nice gps system which is invaluable these days and we didn't have those when we went into the boundary waters last time um no they've become much much better now so like if you have one and you drop your pack somewhere you can like drop a waypoint on your gps so you know where your pack is right Mm -hmm. or if you're stalking an animal and you have to go back to get something drop a waypoint on your gps system so you know exactly where it is and all that stuff Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use those invaluably so and in lots of different ways and um, there's a whole conversation to be had about guys selling GPS waypoints and spots on their garment and all that stuff but like that's a different thing it's just a new useful tool because we had said that you know so when I'm, when I'm generally just like moving about in the wilderness with a pack on, I want to be able to carry what I can carry most efficiently as possible and extra space is just unnecessary. But you're saying when it comes to packing for hunting and you're going to be carrying out potentially like hundreds of pounds of meat, right? Mm-hmm. You want a little extra space. Yeah. Or, or, or have a way, you know, if you could lash it to the outside, you mm-hmm. know, to have a way to have a plan to deal with that, you know, don't get out there, and like get this animal broken down and be like, okay, throw the pack on, then I'm just gonna grab a hind quarter on each arm and haul it out. He's like, no, you're not. No. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so have a plan of in, in any number of there's any number of solutions for this. This is just my solution. Yeah. But, you know, have a plan, like, you know, play it out in your head. How is this gonna work when I when am I when I am successful? How is this going to work if if I'm not successful? Is this going to be too cumbersome to be successful? Yeah. Um. You know, for me, I spent the money to 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 not have a problem anymore. It's a good pack, and right. You know, and there's a thousand brands out there that you know I'm not pushing one or the other. You know, I I right. like I like Kuyu's business plan. You know, so that's you know I'm I'm pretty brand loyal to them, but that's just because I like their business plan. And mm-hmm. the quality of stuff, but I mean, there's any number of, of good stuff out there to use. So. Listeners, do your own research. Mm-hmm. Um, and look for deals. So and look for deals. That's the that's the thing that I'm that I do is I rarely rarely buy anything 
Because, boy, you could, we've said it a thousand times, you could sure go broke, like buying the nicest best, right? Mm -hmm. But you can find the nicest best on closeout if you know where to look and you stay persistent on that for mm -hmm. killer, killer deals. So just make sure you keep an eye out for whatever this and that website, mm -hmm. shop the clearance, subscribe to the emails. You'll get a million a day, but they'll send you closeout deals and all this stuff, right? Buy from their website and subscribe for whoever you like. And then if you don't buy for a long time, a lot of them go, hey, here's a sweet coupon. We miss you. And mm -hmm. so, like, you can you can get stuff for cheap if you want. And, um, and well, and again, like, I, I used to do a fair amount of hunting with what's called an Alice pack, which is military surplus, like, shortly after, or, like, World War II surplus. Yeah. And I was picking them up on, I picked it up on eBay, I think, for, like, 25 or 35 bucks. <laughs> you know? So it's not super heavy. It's not super light. It is super strong. Um, it's not super quiet. I'll tell you that much. You know, you can right. put. It's a you know external frame pack. You put or you can put a ruck on it. There's actually a shelf attachment for it that you can get. Nice. Mean, and it's, it is a. I mean, it works. You know, so yeah. don't get hung up on it, man. Like just, just get out and hunt. So for sure, know, but like Fred Bear said, keep in yeah. mind your grandpa used to hunt in a plaid flannel. Yeah. <laughs> so and he was successful so yeah and i mean know. things were different then but the point stands you know um oh there's like one of my favorite like hunting pieces of video i've ever seen is fred bear i think he's in alaska and you can see like a giant i think it's a kodiak it's definitely a brown bear of some sort coastal brown like, bear yeah yeah walking along the coast like moving his way along the coast like foraging and you can see fred bear and his guide like hunched behind a boulder like Jesus. they're like crab walk they're like low to the ground kind mm -hmm. of like crawling up on behind this boulder and he's got his old longbow out and they like they're waiting for this giant coastal brown bear to go by and fred bear sticks him with that bow and fred bear is in like i think like a pair of jeans a red plaid shirt he's probably like some old eddie bauer boots uh, yeah dude. And that was probably the most expensive piece he had on. Uh, <laughs> like and, rubber bottom duck boots. Yeah, yeah, he did not wear, Fred Bear did not wear camouflage. Nope. And I think he had um, like a, kind of like a, almost like a cowboy hat type deal. <laughs> <laughs> like a western wide brim, keep the rain off yeah. you. I, th I think it was like that. So yeah, I mean, no, granted, Fred Bear's job was to hunt and write about it. You know, so he right. was really good at it. So, but the point I mean, stands. Look at him. The point stands. Can it be done? Absolutely. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's no small amount of luck to that either. But you can also give yourself an edge, though. Too, you don't certainly. have to make it hard for yourself. No, you don't have uh, to. So, and, and if I, I probably would not have attempted what Fred Bear did there. You know, right. just because within long bow range of the coastal brown bear doesn't really appeal to me very much. Yeah, well, the man's a legend for a reason, I suppose. <laughs> yes, he is. He's got bigger stones than I'll ever have. Yeah. So So we're talking though, like the pack that you choose depends on what you put in it. So let's talk about what you put in it for a second. Mm -hmm. So I for general camping and backpacking, you need somewhere to sleep, essentially. Mm -hmm. And a means to eat, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, 
and, you know, general tools, right? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. And and I mean, like, uh, clothing and things to keep yourself mm-hmm. warm and dry. So that's the way I look at it. And so, I mean, like, for... And I try and get as small and universal for those things as possible. Um, to eat, you know, just a small cook set. Uh, titanium is sort of the standard for ultralight and strength. But, again, not entirely necessary. But... Um, I used to for a cook set, um, and when the last we went up into the Boundary Waters, I still have that Whisperlite International stove from MSR, and that thing mm-hmm. worked like crazy. And I like that the directions for that are to, like, lube it up with spit when you like put the thing into the gas uh, feed and all that sort of stuff, right? Like it's very backcountry esque. Mm-hmm. You don't need special tools, like you don't need mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Like the water filter is like pull out the thing and rub it down with sand to clean it and then rinse it off, you know, like mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And I really like that it's practical like that. It's not like bust out your SOS pad and like this special tiny little cleaning tool to do it right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recently uh, got into the jet boil, um, which is sort of the all-in-one system, right? You just cook it right there in the pot over the stove thing and uh i just got it this last winter and i'm actually a lot of the stuff i'm going to talk about i'm going to go camping with the kiddos and a buddy and i'll probably use it as a pilot program for (laughs) a lot of these things um but i i got into that jet boil so that and then like a long spoon like make sure mm-hmm. your camping spoon is long so you can get way down into the bottom of those bags, you know, without getting your fingers all gross and full of your food. Um, what Tony means by those bags is the mountain house meals is kind oh, yeah. of the like freeze dried food. Yeah. Freeze dried food, add boiling water. Um they're kind of the gold standard of everything. So right. for like freeze dried prepackaged meals. And they are there's a ton of recipes. Some are a lot better than others. Right. I'm actually I'm really kicking around the idea of like trying to make my own freeze dried meals type freeze dried meals oh, like yeah. out of wild game to bring oh, with yeah. while I'm going to collect more wild game. I know a lot of so, you could really do a lot with that. You could really do a lot with that. And mm-hmm. That's a great idea. Because the one thing that Mountain House is is they are expensive. Right. Like for sure. Very expensive. Well, and I've got a couple that I heard were good that I need to give a test run here too. And I'm not gonna like just in my backyard one day and be like, oh, you know, go for a run and then like boil myself up some Mountain House in my backyard with my jet boil. <laughs> you know? Right. I want to like have some set and setting so I understand, you know. Um, but I've got a couple of those I'm gonna try out. Um, and then, I mean, it really is the most efficient way. Cause you know, for like general backpacking too, I've brought like cans of chicken or tuna and pasta mm. and spices and like dry sauces that are just add water and all that stuff. And you can get pretty creative with that and like mm. peanut butter and like nuts and, you know, dried fruit and vegetables that you can add into all that stuff. And you can get pretty creative and delicious with some of that stuff. But I think, um, if you're out there trying to fulfill a goal other than spend time in nature and put some miles in on the trail and see what you can see out there, specifically like hunting, I think you want to be efficient, right? And essentially modern just add water MREs are probably the best way to put the smallest amount of effort into that and stay fueled up. Right. So with that, with efficiency that you mentioned, um, if you're going with somebody or a group, you know, focus on who carries what. For like, right. a, say, a group of four, you only need one stove. Mm-hmm. You only need one cook set. Right. You know, 
and you know everyone needs a spoon but you know look you know look at those types of things that how many things you actually need for a group so with the the stove that you mentioned i actually just got as a gift a stove that i kind of want to try i think it's called a yeah a bio light oh yeah it's one of those little so you don't there's no fuel like you burn wood in it oh no way and like is a little in a direction stove and actually it's got and then there's another piece on it that it converts like that heat energy to electricity so you can like charge a phone and there's a usb port on it so you have you charge your phone to like you have a camera you know that's my only camera i have right now is my phone so it's a little bit heavier stove because like parts of it i think are like almost like cast iron you know, mm. to handle that that high heat of like having mm-hmm. an internal fire. For sure. But your your trade off is you're not having to pack any fuel. And right. so nowhere like so this type of thing would work great in the boundary waters. Plenty of wood there, you know. Yeah. But not so great and like if I was going like a Alaska. badlands hunt, because there's not a lot of wood to use that's yeah. um, you know, so or like a know, permafrost type place. You know. You know, so again, plan out you know, your hunt and make sure you have the right, you know, how's this going to work when I'm actually out there. So right. that's, you know, I really want to try that out this summer and see, nice. know, I've heard great reviews on it. So for sure. Well, so, okay. So that's food. We've got food covered, right? Yep. Stove, cook set, food. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, there are endless, endless online forums about mm-hmm. delicious things to uh, cook while you're camping. So Google backpacking meals and you will have <laughs> days worth of reading and you will find something that's delicious and fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you also need water, right? And so you got your stove, you need water, Katadin, a lot of people like that water filter. You got that MSR one. I like redundant systems for things that are as essential as water. So yep. um, again, with a group of people, you you need one water filter. That's it. Everybody can use it, um, but it's probably not a bad idea. The old school redundancy is iodine pills. That's going to give you the shits, but you're not going to die from waterborne illness. Um, keep that on your person. The new solution for that that I want to pick up and haven't yet is a SteriPen, right? It's like a little, uh, is it infrared light, ultraviolet light, one of those? Ultraviolet, I think. It would be ultraviolet for bacterial. It's a long, oh. it's a long ultraviolet light, essentially, that you fill up your water bottle with the uh, clearest water you can find and then stir it with this ultralight ultraviolet light stick and it, oh so that's different than like a life straw like a yeah life straw is different life straw you can like stick into any body of water and it's like a filter within a straw okay you can so just i was drink thinking right like water life, i was thinking like life straw but okay that's probably good too a steri pen though like is you fill up your water and then you stick the pen it's like a long tubular pen type ultraviolet mm-hmm. light stick and you stick that down into your water jar and stir it or just leave it for a while and then there's a certain amount of time i think and it kills all the bacteria in there you might still have floaties or whatever that's why you yeah, find... as I say that don't take care of the floaties <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean like whatever survival situation you're not going to get like whatever you get you're not going to have a amoeba get into your brain or whatever that's from swimming mm-hmm. and it gets through your ear but you're not going to have a situation like that you know where you die okay. from the water you drink um so I like redundant systems for certain essential things, like water. You know, I mean, I said that's before. Probably a good point. That's worth carrying the extra weight for right. that one. And iodine pills or a SteriPen is going to be like 
singular ounces. It'll be in the tens of ounces at most, which will be okay, you know. Um, so, uh, and then shelter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have like a guide series ultralight. It says it's a three-person tent. Uh, we've done two and a dog, and it did pretty well in our tent, right? Um, but I want to get into tarp pitches more, where you yep. get like a tarp, and then you can have. I, I'm not a big fan of trekking poles, but I guess they're way efficient. Um, but mm-hmm. you have like one pole, or you find a stick and mm-hmm. do the old school like pup tent, pitch a tarp over a stick, and lay on the ground. Yeah, tents are. I guess they add a level of comfort. Everything's right. enclosed. You know, right. you're you're for sure be able to keep bugs out and what have you. Right. But they are heavy. Right. I mean, I I have. Uh, it's going to be one of the heaviest individual pieces of equipment yeah, my, that you carry. Yeah, you know, my tent is in. They lie when they say this is a two or a four person tent. Bullshit. Like a four person tent, I feel is like a two person tent. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Especially know? once you uh, get clothes and gear and bag and all that right. stuff in there. You know, so yeah, it's the single heaviest thing in my tent that I have, and I, I have things I like it for, things I don't like it for, but my single heaviest thing, it's like seven some odd pounds, and it'd be really nice to get away from that. Right. So I'm, I'm also kicking seven on the idea of like, dang. yeah, like a rain fly type deal. Yeah. Or you know, and there's a number of different, like one thing I'm really kicking around is actually like a hammock. Yeah, we were talking about that. We yeah. both had that idea independently <laughs> and yeah. are talking I'm, about it for the bear hunt. So I'm um, like my idea is a hammock mm-hmm. with and then above the hammock like you do a string that's taut string across. across. String yeah, taut across above mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then throw a tarp over that yep. and I have all kinds of like a tarp is just stays in my pack cuz it has so many uses. Right. Throw that tarp over the top or over that line. You know, run guy lines, you know, to keep it stretched out to run water off. The four corners. Yeah, and then bring a mosquito net with. Wrap your... Yeah, you know, and, like, throw that over, um, you know, over, you know, under the tarp, but over your hammock. Yep. And that'll keep your bugs off, right? Right. And then I think to, like, even make it, like, super extra comfortable, you could put in your sleeping pad right into that hammock. Yes, and they make and, hammock specific sleeping pads. I think that might be a little bit much, but mm-hmm. sleeping and I pad think in. that whole thing would be like five pounds less yeah. than my tent. Especially and I, if you get one of those parachute nylon, uh, uh, parachute nylon hammock. type camping hammocks. Yeah, there you go, man. Those are super light. Mm-hmm. I had the Which exact I, I, same plan. Yeah. 100% so, independent of this conversation. So I was told by some people, like, well, it's colder, right. you know, and that your bugs can still bite through the back of it. And it's like, if I have that sleeping pad in there, I don't think they will because right. I'm, I'm going to get away from the inflatable Thermarest, which yeah, was great. Like I loved it. It's super light, you know, and it's, you know, it keeps you warm. But if I go to, like, that, that foam Thermarest. Yeah, the closed cell know, foam is the way to go. That way I cannot pop it essentially because right. then otherwise then it's just useless and you're carrying around a useless sleeping pad for so, sure and the one thing i will the sleeping pad is not for comfort is for insulation for insulation and, I, and I, I cannot stress this enough folks like if you're planning on doing a backcountry hunt you are you are going to be miserable if you think you're just going to sleep straight on the ground 
that's another thing yeah. about the tarp pitch that has me yeah. like apprehensive. And I know it's like the hardcore thing to do or the real thing to do for the guys, but like there's not a lot of bug protection. If it rains, though, mm-hmm. you're susceptible to water from the ground if you don't have a yeah. ground cloth. Like, and if you're well, just, already I mean, embracing the suck of being out there slogging through 20 miles a day in the hills on a great day, mm-hmm. like you want to mm-hmm. be, you're gonna need to get some sleep. Yeah. So, well, I mean, all that, but yeah, just keep keep yourself off the ground. Just that that little bit of insulation from the because the ground is cold. You know, it makes a world of difference, which, you know, you're going to get that much better rest and it's going to make you that much better hunter the next day. So um, spend the money, get a good um, sleeping pad. For so. sure. And that's going to be one of the bulkier things you carry is that sleeping pad. They are, they are bulkier, but they're, they're not, especially these like backpacking ones, like they're yeah. light. You Super know, they light. Do take up, they do take up space. But, you know, they're not so heavy that they're you know, you're going to be debating whether or not to leave it at home. And a lot of times you strap those to the outside of the pack anyway, so it's not taking up that internal space in your bag. Right. Um, so sleeping bag, again, do your research. Um, I don't like to get much more than a 20-degree rated bag, much heavier than that, because I sleep hot. And essentially mm-hmm. I sleep in all my clothes. So right. if it gets that cold, then... I prefer to have more layers than a bulkier, heavier bag, personally. Right. After spending, you know, years growing up in different bags and all that stuff, I prefer like a 20-degree bag for the absolute coldest. Now, if right. you're talking like a, it's going to get down to, you know, below zero, that's a whole different world. We're talking about like a spring, summer, early fall hunt mm-hmm. here where it's, you're not going to chance running into like a blizzard type conditions or a very, very cold below, I mean, below freezing at night type thing. Maybe mm-hmm. barely, but, you know, depending it, it on what you're It can get uncomfortable, but, you know, you're you're out there with kind of a mission in mind, you right. know, so. And there are tricks to get around that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there's some mental fortitude to have with it, so. Right, right. <laughs> Um, so I have like, and you can get whatever kind of bags they, and stuff sacks to stuff them down really small and light and all that stuff. Uh, I personally don't like the idea of bivy sacks. That's essentially like a sleeping bag with a tent frame over it a little bit that you just throw right on the ground and it's kind of a self-contained unit. Um, I personally think and have heard also that they're not good tents and they're not good sleeping bags. Essentially, yeah. So, um, it's sort of a last resort kind of thing, but I don't like it. Um, one thing there is, though, is for those uh, that go the tarp pitch route, is I've seen sleeping bags where the bottom of the sleeping bag is essentially like a ground fly or yep. like a ground tarp. So, that's something I want to look at, too, because that would be make that whole thing a little bit more, uh, a little bit more palpable to me, a little bit more... Uh, yeah, a little bit more. I mean, if the only thing I can, the having spent enough nights in a tent in a rainstorm, like I don't want to have less, I would want to have more exposure to that because <laughs> I've spent several nights in some pretty awful storms in tents. And uh, yeah, more exposure to that would not be great. So, <laughs> no. uh, well, I think that's kind of like what brings me back to that hammock idea. And, yeah. you know, it's like you're off the ground. Like, so right. you're not, you're not going to be in a puddle. No. So, 
you know, I kind of I really like the idea of that. So I, I, I think that's what I'm going to try. Even, you know, even though with a, the mobility and being able to carry extra weight with a canoe, yeah. you know, where we're going. Oh, for sure. It, it's just, I, I think it will actually lead to more comfortable rest. I think it so, will too. And I also think that there will be plenty of opportunity to find trees that are far enough apart to hang a hammock because that's the rub with a hammock, right? You got to have somewhere to hang it. But right. we're going to, uh, the like forest border between the United States and Canada. It's like some of the, it's the most Minnesota forest in Minnesota. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh, that's where we're headed. So I think it'll be just fine. Um, and I like that idea a lot too. And I was sitting in the hammock at the lake this summer going like, I bet I could turn this into a perfect like backpacking setup because it's way smaller. Mm-hmm. So we got food, water, shelter or a place to sleep um clothes are a thing that i'm constantly and always trying to uh become more efficient at right um right because you really don't need that much like i prefer long pants boots if you're we've said it before if you're gonna spend the money to get one or two quality things one of those things should be boots Mm -hmm. nothing will ruin your time faster or worse than bad feet so um so you need boots, but you're probably never going to take those off except for when you're sleeping. Um, I also prefer to bring more pairs of socks than you think you're going to need because wet feet and clean socks are also going to make the difference between being miserable and a little bit less miserable. Um, so my my thoughts on clothes, I bring like what I'm wearing and a change, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So And that's pants and... Basically, a, like a coat or top type yeah. deal. So I like to layer up a lot. Mm-hmm. And just about everything that I'm going to wear, the first layer that touches my body is going to be wool. Yeah, um, you like wool? Okay. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of wool. Other I people, do too. You know, there's a lot of synthetics out there you know, that's, that work great too. Um, me, well, okay, I'll get back to that. So wool is still it's still i feel still king especially because it it continues to work when it's wet like better than anything and it actually the natural properties of wool are for scent control are actually better longer than your synthetics like i have a set of i have a set of under armor cold gear me too which i love It's, it's a great stuff for a single day yeah. Oh boy, does After, it get stinky though? Holy oh cats. man, that second day, like if you try wearing that again, you, you won't be able to stand yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is awful. Right. <laughs> like that, it has to be washed, or you're you. So, to me, wool is just more versatile. Right. So, now the way I am is again, wool socks, and I I kind of ins- I'm a person I gotta have. Uh, a different pair for every day. They just, yeah. I just feel gross if I don't have them. You know, you can, you can, you know, and I've done the backcountry washing and hanging, and, and it, it's, it, it's, it's a passable thing. But, um, God, I that in underwear. I, I like. I mean, I gotta have like the, the, the my groin area. You're not, you're not getting a shower every day, folks. No. Nope. And your your bath is gonna be. Uh, if you if you have water, take a bath. It's probably gonna be cold enough to where you don't want to do it every day, right. <laughs> because you know. So um, 
I like I'm fresh out of underwear for every day, and that keeps me comfortable, which allows me to you know hunt harder, hunt longer. Yeah, so. for sure. And the more time you spend out there, the more you'll get to know these things personally yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm literally wearing wool base layer and wool socks right now. Um, yep. And I personally prefer wool as well, just for the properties of exactly what you said. Um, mm-hmm. Merino is kind of the gold standard. It's softest um, because that's the complaint about wool is it can be a little itchy sometimes. But mm-hmm. um, I personally wear as much wool as I can just generally but it's right as base layer mid layer top layer if you even need that much but Mm -hmm. um and generally for the type of season that we're in that top layer is going to be some sort of waterproofing or or storm type clothing so because virtually nothing is going to ruin your time better than being soaking wet the whole time yep virtually nothing cotton no Um, cotton is death cotton is the death cloth yeah so what so with so like that you said I usually bring a good pair of boots and then I like to have a some sort of camp shoe sandal. Um, yeah. If you wear Crocs, you can camp it somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> well, it looks like we're having separate campsites then. I'll, I'll be on my island. You can go sleep on your island. I'm not having Crocs on my island. And comfortable <laughs> and practical. <laughs> so anyway. So that's comfy. And then one thing that often gets forgot about is a brand new, fresh set of clean clothes that you leave in your truck. Oh, yeah. You get back to your truck, you take off all that stinky crap you've been wearing for a week, you change mm-hmm. into that for the drive home, and some fresh pair of shoes and socks, everything. You know, don't be bashful. Like, it all, it's all got to go. Yeah, you're gonna, you you're gonna become good friends out there. So I mean, yeah. don't be bashful. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you're driving home with. And that, like, that is like a like you, you're having a tough time. Like that's you know, it's almost something to look forward to. <laughs> like, right. oh, fresh, clean clothes. <laughs> and uh, the other thing too is, unless I've missed my mark, after you spent, I mean, anywhere from a few days to a week plus in the backcountry, living out of a bag. And now you found civilization again. You're not going to be able to resist stopping over at the first mom and pop diner you see, or little local pizza store, or whatever. Do them all a favor, and uh, <laughs> don't stink like you just spent a week in the woods when you go in there and eat three extra large pizzas between four people. Yeah, don't have them thinking that Sam, like a Sasquatch, just wandered in. <laughs> Sam Squinch. Yeah. <laughs> so. So with like my issues with cleanliness and I just mentioned of wanting clean socks and clean um, underwear for every day, one thing that helps greatly with that is a small bottle of Gold Bond or similar mm. product. Mm-hmm. That is um, – I don't, I don't go anywhere in my pack without that. Like if I'm spending an overnight, that comes with. It, just, it helps with um, any sort of rubbing, chafing, freshening up. It's great. Right. Uh, some people, and also, um, I bring wet wipes and I bring oh, wet yeah. wipes, wet wipes and toilet paper. Yes. Cause I feel that they have separate purposes. I'm they willing do. to carry, I'm willing to carry the extra weight of right. having wet wipes with that. Um, it, even if you just throw, uh, you know, just, you know, allot yourself two per day right. and throw them into a you know, Ziploc bag, you know, don't have to bring the whole thing but they're they're invaluable i feel so those, those always those are in the pack right 
try and get the unscented kind, right? Yep. Um, but again, you decide what creature comforts you need. But there's, I mean, even my buddy when he was in Iraq, they wanted the one of the number one things he wanted to send his buddies, or he wanted sent to him, was wet wipes. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's something to be said for having a little wipe down, doing the little Brad Pitt shower, and then <laughs> uh, you know powdering up a little bit so that you can keep going. You know because there's realities of being sweaty and moving all day long that mm-hmm. you need and, to deal and with. You'll notice this when you when you shoot a big animal, you get up close to them, they stink. Right? They're not. They're not. <laughs> they're not taking baths every day. Like folks, nope. if you run your hair, your hands through like a running bull. It, like it's fur like your hands are gonna stink for like oh, a week yeah. i mean yeah. they're so and, and bears are no different no <laughs> we talked before like, bears have a distinctive smell man yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so 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 that's kind of my my cleanliness and clothes spiel um i like no it. matter I what i'm hunting yeah no matter what I'm, if i'm not already wearing something that's waterproof the rain gear always gets packed always bring rain um, gear Yep. Yep. And I have, and I, I, I spend the money for good rain gear. That's right. another one that I will tell you there. Don't cheap out on rain gear. Get something that's light, packable, and as, as tough of nails as you can get. Right. Um, a lot of good brands out there. I've heard uh, Harley Davidson rain gear is about as good as you can get for light, small, and tough as nails. Now it's not going to be. I mean, it's not going to be camo, but like. Mm-hmm. I've heard that's very, very good as well. I had not ever considered that, but that's not a bad idea. Right, <laughs> like, so you just got to put up with storms at whatever, I mean, 80 miles an hour, and then fit in your saddlebag with all your other shit, you know? That is brilliant. <laughs> and if you ride a bike, there you go. Two two birds, one stone. Nailed it. Okay, so um, the good thing about your rain gear is... You know, if you get in like say like a let's say you're in a mountain situation and you get a storm that blows through, you know like a blizzard type deal, put on, you know all your upper and lower wool you can, put on your your normal outside weather your hot or your hunting gear, put on that rain stuff over top that, and you might not actually have a whole lot of stuff on, but that essentially you just became like you know your winter suit. Like that'll keep you dry. Like you might not be comfortable, but you will be dry and alive, and it's time to get your butt out of there. For you know, sure. But that will, you know, and you know, you might have to actually take something off because it doesn't, you know, might not breathe. But you know, that'll keep you warm. You know that that you know you start getting wet and it's it's over with. You know, right. so like that leads to misery in such a hurry. You you lose so much more body heat when you're wet and cold rather than just being cold. There's one of the laws of thermodynamics about that, but yep. transitive property of something or another. I didn't. I'm not a physicist, but it's science. You can't. We're not argue. Um, that's why wind chill is legit. Um, but yeah, the name of the game is staying dry, and that includes sweating. By the way, um, it is because yep. the last thing you want to do when it's cold out is get sweaty, because then you'll inevitably stop sweating at some point, and then you're wet, and you are done for. So stay dry. Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, another thing you should need to do is obviously keep a very close eye on the weather and the weather patterns in the area that you're going and pack Mm -hmm. appropriately. Some of the guys that I know that I've heard talk about it and pack the best are the ones that 
absolutely nail the weather conditions and bring exactly what they need and nothing that they don't for the weather that they'll be seeing. So, and I mean, again, if you're getting into backpack, backpack type hunting, um, you should probably take some test runs. You're probably fairly familiar with scouting and going out for day hikes and all that stuff. So just, uh, use those opportunities to test out some of your gear. Maybe just bring like whatever your food system and some, whatever food you want to eat and plan on making lunch out there on the trail or on the, in the back country when you're out there doing it to take them as, test runs and figure out really what you're trying to do with all that stuff and make sure you got your system down. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't mind with that. Like I think most, most weather forecasts are only good for about two days. Oh yeah. You know, so I don't mind bringing in like a little Noah radio with like a hand crank thing yeah. for power. You know, it's, you add about a pound, you know, but uh, you know, you leave it in camp, you actually, or, you know, I mean, get a rate, you know, if it, it, if you're in a situation where things can go south in a hurry, you know, it, it could pay to have a weather for sure um, thing or weather update every day. For sure. So, well, and that's a good way to talk about some of the further tools and accessories beyond just how mm-hmm. you're going to live, right? So mm-hmm. um, get a good knife, a good fixed yep. blade knife, I think. Folding knives are good, but I prefer fixed blade knives for camping uses in general. Um, and you know, when you drop that animal for skinning and butchering, I prefer fixed blade personally. Um, that's a personal preference, but I think they're stronger and sturdier and more usable as tools personally. Um, but get a good knife. Um, that's a non-negotiable, right? Yeah. Have a good knife. Other, other cutting instruments are, can be negotiable. Um, a hatchet is kind of a, you know, it depends on what you're doing. The weight might not be worth uh, Mm -hmm. the utility, but if you have a base camp you're hunting out of, you could bring it and leave it there. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you're going to, if you have a base camp, I'm bringing a whole ax. Yeah. That'll make fires and things in the evenings much, much easier than trying to do it all with a knife or gather. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that what else I learned? Sharpening stone, yeah. I mean, you. Yeah. If you have a small well, like packable, keep it sharp type thing, that would be nice mm-hmm. to maybe have. I don't mind bringing. It's like what I like to do, and I use this for a lot of things. Is these little carbide things that you pull your knife through? Yeah, yeah. I like and it those touches a lot. them up. Like so, I think that kind of all how to explain to me is like it's a kind of a ninety percent thing. Yeah. You'll get your your knife to like ninety percent of how sharp it could be but you can do it really quickly and you can keep doing it like three, four light drags across it and your knife is back to, right. to pretty good. So that's what notice, I like to bring with. Yeah. And, and you notice in the process of breaking down an animal that like you start with a crazy sharp knife and you got to like touch that thing up maybe a few times throughout because you start noticing you start hitting bone or getting through like some hair here and there or whatever. And you take the edge mm-hmm. off that thing pretty quick. Every time you nick a bone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of the things we've talked, so that's a, a knife is both hunting and camping. Right. Um, you know, don't skimp on getting good practical sized game bags. That was another uh, thing I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay. And it's not a bad idea actually to get like, uh, the antimicrobial game bags. Um, it seems like something you'd want to maybe spend the dough and get the quality on. Yep, and they're if you get good ones, actually, they're like washable and reusable. Even yeah, the last thing you so, want to do is 
skimp on the thing that you're using to pack your meat out right. and so, ruin it, right? Right, right. So you for meat, you you want to keep it just you want to keep it dry, you want to keep it cool, and you want to you want to keep the bugs off of it. So like you know, certain materials do that better than others. So the last thing you want to do, like as soon as you like drop an animal, is like don't think you're gonna put it in like a garbage bag or something like that that doesn't breathe. Okay. You know that is gonna sour your meat in a hurry. That meat needs to get cooled down. So in like super hot conditions, what I've seen or know some people do is they'll put it in a game bag and then if they'll put it in like a garbage bag over top of that, and then they'll sink it in like a creek basically I've so they're keeping like it dry. running yeah. cool water yeah yeah but just to get it cool get off. it down to cool and you'd be surprised you know you get something hung up in the shade once it's cool how long it'll keep so yeah i mean know. the name of the game once it's down is getting that thing out of there as quick as possible right yep. or at least yep. to a cooler with some ice in it and stuff right yep. which is maybe another thing to keep at your base camp if you're hunting out of a base camp is a good cooler with and so, I'm with a ton of ice in it. What the Minnesota DNR actually suggests for bear hunting in the boundary waters is they got like actually like a four sheet thing and you know yeah. how to bear hunt the boundary waters. They advise bring in a cooler that has dry ice and then like drill a hole in the top for like the gaseous dry ice to yeah. evaporate so it doesn't like you know pop your cooler open. <laughs> Blow up. You don't turn it into like a little gas bomb right there at your campsite. Yeah. I don't think that's how it would happen. I think it would just blow the top back and forth, but I don't know. But anyway, so that's what they suggest. So, I think that's a little I guess if you again, if you had the luxury of, of going in with a canoe, that's something you could do. I'm not sure if it's honestly necessary. Right. You know, you get even in September those cool nights, you get stuff hung up in the shade. Oh, it gets down to 40, 50 degrees. Yeah, it's it's gonna keep. Right, that's that's my right. thoughts on it. So I mean, like, yeah, that's not that's the same temperature as a refrigerator, right? At night, at least. So um, yeah, so it's that's my thoughts on. It. But I mean, if you, if you're really worried about, you know, if you're overly worried about food, you know, health safety, I guess, yeah, bring a cooler with dry ice, you know. But saying, I mean, if you're you get a big animal, you get a big cooler, you know, yeah. that's all the much, all the tougher to deal with. So, sure. but, and if you can use dry ice, use dry ice. Cause again, you don't want your meat to get wet. So mm -hmm. again, with that tarp thing, when I do have to like put meat in a cooler on ice, I'll put down a good layer of ice on the bottom. I'll put that tarp in there. I'll lay all that meat on a tarp. I'll fold that tarp back in. So it's, I make kind of a pocket in there and then yeah. I'll put ice on top. You know, but I'm keeping all that meat. I don't want water sitting in my meat. Because that would cause know. spoilage. Right. So. And you don't want to do that. You don't right. want to put all in all this effort and time and energy <laughs> and money to spoil the meat. I mean, you'll have the experience, but that would be profoundly disappointing, I think. I, I would, yeah, it would be a tough, tough pill to swallow. There. So some of the accessories are, besides the general camping stuff, game bags, yep. uh, good knife. I mean, yep. you need your gun, right? Clearly, or whatever uh, weapon you have, your gun or your bow or whatever. And depending on your pack setup, there's uh, plenty of different slings and ways to carry all that stuff. And uh, you just kind of need to hit the internet hard or try out some different things to find out your best system for that. Yeah. Um, so you you mentioned yeah. If I go with my bow somewhere, this is like especially if I'm elk hunting. Um, uh, out west, you know, there's a, 
a million different ways that you can uh, take your bow out of commission in the backcountry. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I suppose you mean like ruin it to the point where it's not usable. Yeah, so I actually bring with, and in this ends up getting adding weight, but this this could potentially save a hunt. Like I bring an entire kit with that I've built that I can redo my bow kind of when I'm out there. Oh, like okay. I got a whole new set of strings in there. I've got an additional peep peep sight in there. I've got serving string in there. I've got a portable um, bow um, press in there that oh, wow. you know and you make sure that you know these portable bow presses they only work on certain types of bows so you guys that are, are like past parallel i don't know how well they're going to work on that but for my bows they work they were great so you know and i've got i mean i've got a spare just about everything in there i got little bolts that you know something comes you know because the last thing i want you know if I, if i'm doing through the extra effort of going out there the archery hunt something is to have one of my broadheads, you know, razor sharp broadhead, nick one of my bow strings and take my bow out. So, sure. you know, how far away? So I'm already however many miles from my truck. I got to get, you know, get back to my truck. Then how far away am I from there to an archery shop? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like I need everything I need to fix it now, not sure. tomorrow. You know, I, this hunt's been planned for, um, you know, a year. You know, I took vacation time to do this. I don't have time to n- not have a working bow. For sure. So, you know, I'll usually have that. And, and then because I'm kind of an enthusiast, you know, I, me and my dad have at least one spare bow that's back in camp too. Yeah. You know. That's probably a so. very, very good idea. <laughs> so you know redundant systems for the uh for the essentials right right so and, and, and you know and that that can go kind of the same way with uh if you're rifle hunting having a gun you know have something that you know both guys could shoot you know mm-hmm. that you know that you know if you're a, you know you're at a least lefty back at the truck right yeah if you're a lefty and you're going with a righty you know, it, it pays to, you know, I'm sorry, there's less of you than there are of us. It pays to learn how to shoot right-handed just in case something happens to your gun and you can't shoot it. Right. You know? You're carrying so, it, you take a fall, you knock it off right. of uh, sighted in, all that stuff, right? You knock it off mm-hmm. of true with the sights, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I would say the third thing that would be an essential is some sort of optics, right? Yep. That's another thing that you can share. You know, have one guy bring a set of binoculars, the other guy bring a spotting scope. In some places, you don't need a spotting scope. So don't, you know, the boundary water spotting Probably scope isn't going to do any good. Nope. You know, just a set of good set of binoculars. Trees. Yeah, just bring a good set of binoculars. Yeah. You know, but. And, and there's hours worth of debate we could have about what the best power, size, brand, usage, all that stuff is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'm not even going to get into that. (laughs) Pick what you like. Do your research. Pick what you like. Um, Universal usage is probably best unless you're only ever going to be a Western mule deer hunter or something like that or a Boundary Waters bear hunter, right? Yep. But, I mean, like even sitting in a deer stand in the woods here in Minnesota, like having binoculars is going to make or break. That'll be the difference. Like I know a lot of guys that don't sit in tree stands with any kind of optics, but like, I mean – Worst comes to worst, it helps you focus on spotting, you know, instead of right because 
that's one of the major things in a tree stand is sitting there being bored out of your brain because you haven't seen anything for three days, right? It's easy to wander in that point. Well, it, it can make a big difference. Let's, I mean, it, your best hunting is usually early morning, late right. evening, bow lake conditions. Let's say you're in one of Minnesota's areas where there's an antler point restriction. Right. You know, this buck is 100 yards through the woods. Is he a three point on one side or a four point on one side? Right. Can't quite tell. 100 yards isn't very far. You can't quite tell with the with the naked eye. You can easily tell with a good set of binoculars. For sure. That just changed your hunt from unsuccessful, not sure, to successful. For sure. So, you know, it's those are things you kind of you gotta, you know, it, it. We've made this huge stride over the last, especially like 15, 20 years, I guess, that these super light, ultra light, you know, backpacking hunters, and we kind of became weight weenies in the meantime. Yeah. You know? You know, but there, there's things that, you know, it makes sense, you know, like to carry an extra set, you know, carry something a little heavier. I, I'm sorry, but like my full size binoculars, I'm going to have a more comfortable, or I'm going to be able to see more stuff, pick out better things, draw in more light than your little pocket set that fits in like your breast pocket of your flannel. I, I just yeah. am. And there's know? middle so, ground and depend on, depends mm-hmm. on what you like, but... You make a good point, man, because I've heard other people on other podcasts pose the question, like, mm-hmm. when did everybody get so afraid to carry a little bit of weight around? Right. Yep. And it's, I mean, like, and you make that decision yourself for you personally. What do you feel is worth the weight to carry? Just know what adds up mm-hmm. fast. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm switching to uh, a heavier rifle because it, I can't shoot my light rifle as well. Right. Um, you know, and, and on top of it, it, it's got a super light barrel that I can't thread for my suppressor, which adds even more weight. But I like being able to protect my hearing. For so sure. I'm switching to a, a heavier rifle that I can put that suppressor on so something that I can shoot better and, and, and protect my hearing. And I'm going to add probably a full, probably two or three pounds to that, you know, yeah. which is going to make a difference at the end of the day. But it's... It's going to, I feel that's the trade-off making me more successful. Yeah. And you deem it as, right, it's one of the essentials. It's one of the non-negotiables, especially on hunting, is something that you're comfortable shooting and can make a great shot with, right? Yep. Because that's really what you're out there to do. Um, And I'm messing around with the idea of, uh, I, I was recommended a brand and they make a thing a kit bag, like a chest bag with a harness that mm-hmm. goes around your back. And I'm messing around with the idea of picking up one of those. Um, so you can put like your daily essential stuff in there, your mm-hmm. GPS system, your binoculars. Um, if you choose to carry a firearm in the back country, uh, like a handgun, a pistol, if you yeah. choose to carry that as well, you can carry that in there. Um, which I am, the older I get, the more I think that's part of a redundant bear safety system. Um, but that's my personal opinion, and there are many opinions about that. Um, and like your just like some snacks and you know sunglasses and like stuff in that easily accessible chest pouch, ammo, mm. that sort of stuff. Um, and then you can remove some of that room from your larger pack on your back, and then save some space, leave some more open space or not need to carry as much space on your back. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. of going the dual front back route for this bear hunt and giving that a shot. I have, well, I have like a nice, um, like chest, uh, pack, I guess for, for binocular harness. Yeah. 
you know, and it's got like some side pockets in that I can throw in. It's usually my rangefinder and yeah. probably my GPS, I guess. Yeah. And then that's all I really want right there. I don't find that they're the most comfortable thing in the world, but that's that's for me, I guess. Right. So, um, I, I but I I mean, so like I I forced myself to practice with that on right. during like archery league. You know, that's the other thing too is they get so in the way like, of shot sometimes. Yeah. So I I know I can shoot actually quite well with my bow with that on yeah so i haven't done it at all with my rifle yet but it it's sh- i can't see it making a big deal but you know right. it's a good idea to like throw your whatever you're gonna wear and things especially like that you know it's a good idea to practice with that on so you you know you know if you're gonna run into the issues out there for sure so. for sure for sure so yeah i'm toying with the idea though I, i'm probably gonna pick one up just for uh I'm getting more and more into running the more that I do it, and I want to probably start doing trail running too, so I'll use that as a little pack for trail running as well and just uh, do multi-purpose out of that. But we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Um, Is there anything else that would be hunt-specific that we need to keep in a pack other than, I mean, tags, obviously, but that kind of covers it, right? Tags. um, It's always good to, you know, bring you know, some extra bullets, um, chapstick, chaps, chapstick, geez, chapstick. <laughs> um, you know, that is a, 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 yeah, a non-negotiable thing that goes in, you know, if you believe uh, in it, sunscreen. Yeah. Um, not a big fan of bug spray. I'm not uh, either. I'd rather just keep your body covered, wear long sleeve stuff, keep your, keep your neck covered. You know, right. a handkerchief can be tuck that under your hat, cover your neck. Um, or the neck gator, yeah, they make those really like kind of like a stretchy neck gator type deal. Yeah. That a lot of guys use. wear them fishing. Yeah, I wear them fishing, and you know, those get them in neutral, like a you know a green or a brown. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's the other um, thing too, right? It doesn't all need to be absolutely camo, right? Camo's yep. good, but like ranger mm-hmm. green or khaki is gonna be like a darker khaki. You're gonna still blend in. It won't be as great, yep. but yep. again, the I'm motion bi- is probably better than the vision right yep i'm a big fan of a baseball cap um help keep that sun off yep for sure Uh, hat of some kind head covering of some kind if you're in a lot of open country pair of sunglasses cheap polarized good chance you're gonna lose them or break them but you know that can that can make for comfort versus non-comfort back to that baseball hat too i like that as a little anchor point for the binoculars Upstairs, my kids are coming downstairs. And yeah, like, no, well, no. came down and checked on me too. Yeah. <laughs> I like that as a little anchor point for the binos, though, too. Like you can put them on there and then hold like the bill of your hat onto your binoculars, and it stabilizes them. <laughs> Parenting life. So, oh, my daughter's throwing a fit. That's fine. All right. So, uh, do we have anything else that you want to touch on as far as packs go? No. It. Just, I mean, so the first aid kit, I feel, is, oh, yes. you know, and, and don't get don't get wild with it. You can um, get so I usually backcountry yeah. first aid kits. Yeah, so I usually build my first aid kit. I like um, to do that too, actually. <laughs> rather than, like, buy a prepackaged thing. So um, there's a couple things that, like, I know I need, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever mentioned before, but I'm asthmatic, you know, which the only thing that really ever affects me is grain dust you know, that can send me into 
you know, like a cannot breathe hysterics. Yeah. But there might be something else out there that I don't know about. So right. that comes with because I know it's an emergency item. Okay. You know, so I bring IU and, you know, that's a non-negotiable. I bring ibuprofen. Yep. Um, I bring Excedrin. Because that's where I think they're separate. But, you know, ibuprofen's for the body, and Excedrin is if you have headaches. Right. And then I always bring Benadryl. Always an antihistamine. You never always. know when you're going to yeah. find a weird allergy that you might not yeah. have ever it, known that you were going to have. Yeah, and that can ruin your hunt in a hurry. So it I don't can bring turn them into bo- an emergency situation in a yeah, hurry. I don't bring these in bottles. I'll you know I'll put them in a Ziploc bag and I'll throw a little you know just a little piece of paper label and then throw it in the bag. You know, then throw that bag in another bag with the other pills, and throw that bag in another bag with another pill. So I have like a series of like four little Ziploc bags, but it's super light. Everything's separated, so I don't know. Like I don't, get I don't know if they're wood, so I don't get them mixed up, and I don't know if there's gonna be any reaction. Probably not, but that way everything's sorted. You know, so mm-hmm. so those are basically the medications I bring. Um, I always bring a little bit of moleskin. Yeah, um, it'll fix hot spots in your boots. You know. A uh, little bit of uh, you wrap. You can bring a small roll of duct tape if you want, or but you're never going to need that much duct tape. But bring some duct tape, so you can wrap mm-hmm. that around your lighter or, or whatever yeah. you know. So bring. Oh, that's another thing we didn't touch on is the source fire of fire starting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so bring like you know, bring like ten feet of duct tape. That'll more than you'll ever need. You know, and with that redundant system you mentioned, it's always good to have two ways to start a fire. Um, right. Lighter is good. Water I like a plain old big lighter. Yeah, it's, and that's oftentimes all you need. So they're but reliable. Bring two. They can be soaking wet. You dry them out. They start yeah. right up again. You know, um, you know a mag, you know a magnesium fire starter with you know flint and steel that can yeah. work really well. That work under any conditions. You know, but right. Uh, you know, it's to have have two systems. Right, redundant system for that, and yeah. um, I've heard in backpacking magazines and other outdoor magazines that like throw just a bag of potato chips in there too, because in wet conditions, a potato chip will light on fire and stay on fire. Yep. <laughs> so there's there's any number of options for that. Maybe right. Like, Cheetos. Uh, you grind up Cheetos, Cheetos into dust; they'll burn like crazy. There's a uh, take your dryer lint and dip wax, dip it in wax. Yeah. Vaseline. Vaseline. Um, oh, another yeah. thing I like too, and this I learned from running, is get yourself like a little tiny little bottle and put some petroleum jelly in there. Because yep. if you have those rubbing issues and the gold bond isn't taken care of, you Vaseline up in those mm-hmm. spots where it rubs, that'll take care of it all day. Right. Yep. So, and there's probably some stuff we've missed here. I'm sure there time. is. I hope nothing okay. major, but I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think so. But that's kind of, you know, that's... Going through my pack, that's you know the majority of what you're gonna find. Um, so that's everything. Plus, always pays to bring a little P cord. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and I mean, never like know you when can, you need a little bit of P cord. You're right. And I mean, you can tear it up, or you can or uh, coil it up and put it in your pack. I've heard people that like say that's the first thing you should think about. You can always use P cord. Um, but I mean, like. You can make those bracelets and wear a bracelet. You can do whatever you need to do with it, however you need to get it there, right? You can well, I, make a rifle strap actually, out of the dang stuff. Well, I actually used, like, um, the test that our hammock theory out. That's what I used. Like, I suspended my hammock with yeah, P-cord. Absolutely. You know? So that's absolutely, you know, so you have dual purposes there. For sure. You know, so use that for there. Then, like, the lash 
you know, they need of, whatever. Uh, the boondock saying, you're the one who said <laughs> we weren't going to need the stupid fucking rope. <laughs> it could save you. It saved them. It could save you. It's that right, Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, as you're going to Also, uh, more generally, like, prepare yourself with the skills that you're going to need, right? Mm. It doesn't hurt to stay in good shape. It doesn't hurt to, like, practice swimming it doesn't hurt to like just generally be prepared for things um and again do test runs go on day hikes pack your bag and practice uh when you're when you're shooting practice fully loaded like you know work on the skills associated around it and that'll help because last thing i mean you could have a perfectly thought out and packed bag but if you've never shot with it on or tried to crawl through undergrowth Mm -hmm. quietly with it on then you're already behind the eight ball yeah yeah 10 miles deep is not the place (laughs) try and figure it out yeah that you don't know how to read your gps yeah 10 miles (laughs) deep putting the sneak on the biggest bull you ever seen or is not the time right (laughs) right or bull or whatever it is so anyway yeah yeah i think that is about all i wanted to say about it no yeah and i mean we'll either catch hell about it or we'll think of something else later so right and for the sun and bug protection there's always apparel and you can get super technical with apparel and you know go as far down any one of these rabbit holes as you want like i said i've been on a quest to perfect this since i was uh 10 and went on my first backpacking trip so it's always uh improving by single percentage points to get to where you want to be but uh once you sort of have an initial system down um and i'm you know i'm doing the chest pack backpack combo this time and i've never done that and so i want to try that out um so you will never be done messing with your system no you'll always tweak it always. <laughs> yes so i think that's about all i have to say about that uh recurring segment time i've got a good mm-hmm. one i'm excited did you go first last time i think i no you did okay well who do you want to go first this time i'll go first okay what was the last wild not- game meal you cooked uh, very very simple this time. I just had um, a venison burger. Nice. That, oh, that's one of my favorite dang things, though. You know, so I'm not a purist when it comes to my venison burger. I do mix in a tiny bit of beef fat, maybe in between mm-hmm. like five and seven percent, because it just it, it makes it for easier grilling. Right. Otherwise, um, it's too lean and it scorches and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So I'll do like probably about third pound patties and. So, and I'll get my grill pretty super hot, maybe like 500 degrees, 450, something like that. It's just whatever setting the dial is, I know that by heart. I don't know exactly what time it is. And <laughs> right three minutes. here is perfect for venison burgers on the yeah. dial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like three minutes, flip. And now if you're going to put like cheese or something on it, put it on. Three minutes. It? Yeah, three minutes, you're done. So nice. six minutes total on that burger. Pull it off, it's like medium. You know, if I do the same thing with like a beef burger, it's four minutes per side and it's medium. <laughs> you know, so that just goes to illustrate that, you know, that, that extra you know, venison, you know, your wild game cooks a lot faster. Right. So, so venison burgers is what my most recent wild game meal was. In addition to, I made a big batch of venison jerky the other day too. So nice. Yeah, I think you posted on our Instagram about that. Um, yeah, and I do a 
super simple, easy recipe for my venison jerky. Or all my jerky. I don't get too fancy with it. So. Nice. It's just it's just dried meat. <laughs> That's what it <laughs> That's is, like, right? You do need a cure. Like, <laughs> right. So I might as well get it. Okay, so I use uh, Tender Quick. It's a, something you can get in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I use their wet recipe for that. and I So I don't use a meat slicer or anything like that because – uh, Neanderthal man never worried about how thick his meat was cut when he was making jerky. Right. So Caveman. he, because <laughs> he wasn't, the difference between three eighths of an inch and three sixteenths of an inch is not enough to concern <laughs> me. So yeah. what I did is I used that wet cure for, with the tender quick, uh, a little bit of soy sauce and a little bit of brown sugar. I give that a overnight in the fridge with that, that wet brine, mm-hmm. take it out. I skewer every piece you know this is whole meat whole meat jerky i skew every piece with like similar size pieces of whatever i've cut with just like bamboo bamboo skewers yep and then i'll dust all that with black pepper Mm. and then put in my smoker actually yeah you put that in the smoker and leave that smoker door open and this is key is you gotta let that meat dry a bit so it starts to get a little sticky. You don't want it to be wet. It won't yep. accept smoke. And then just smoke it. I think I smoked this for like two, three hours. you got to get it up to temperature, which is about 150 degrees. So some of it ended up finishing in the oven. But, you know, just – and that's it, man. That's that's just a good salty pepper beer nice. drinking jerky. So Perfect. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anyway, what are you so excited about? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, um – so, my recipes have been very uh, fish heavy lately because that's what I've been uh, have a lot of and readily available to me. So, uh, mm-hmm. I had some crappies in the freezer, so I thawed those out, and I used Hank Shaw's recipe. Everybody go to Hunter Angler Gardener Cook, um, and I used Hank Shaw's recipe for fish cakes, and his were. Uh, his were trout, but he says right in the recipe, like you can use any freshwater whitefish. I don't care if you use crappie or whatever. And so I had about a pound and a half, which was, a, he said a pound, but I like more meat in my foods typically than about half again as much <laughs> meat in my foods typically than the recipe calls for. It's like garlic. I let my heart tell me how much to put in there. Um, <laughs> so I agree. I had that and uh, he said to pulse it in a food processor but i like them a little chunkier so i just chopped it up until i had a fine ish mince not too I like little chunks but enough to hold together and then uh let me see if i remember right that in a bowl uh some unseasoned breadcrumbs two eggs uh mayonnaise i used gray poupon dijon mustard uh then I used half dill, half tarragon. And then I just got right in there with my hands, mixed that up, and then uh, flattened it out into about palm-sized fish cakes. Threw them, and he said you got to put them in the fridge for like 20 minutes, but I just threw them on a plate, covered them in cellophane, actually ran to the gym, came back home, and then third cup of oil in the... uh, Oh, I also tossed up uh, some dill, garlic, mayo, and lemon juice and made a quick aioli and let that sit and marry in the fridge too. And then I uh, had a third cup of just canola oil in a pan over medium to medium high heat. 
uh, four to six minutes on each side of those fish cakes. They're really loose, but you got to let them sit in the fridge so that uh, the breadcrumbs absorb that moisture and it makes a cohesive thing. Yep. Um, and they're really loose, so you got to be careful. But you hit them in the oil for th- four to six minutes each side, and then come out, hit them with a little bit of salt, serve them hot right away um, with that aioli on top. And then I made a little miso soup on the side because I went to like this Asian grocery that was also life changing uh, last weekend, <laughs> but I made a little miso soup on the side with fish cakes with that aioli. And like, they were amazing. They were so good. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like, I followed I it that. almost exactly from his website. So shout out you to Hank Shaw. Your place, dude. Big fan. <laughs> yeah. It was so, so it was so good, man. <laughs> so i'm gonna make them like again tonight because i thought more fish than i needed and it's been in my fridge since so that was just uh probably two nights ago so that's what i made nice yes because that's what it's about right that's why we go out there is to get food and Mm -hmm. other things but the main reason is food it's okay to have fun it's okay to have fun it is fun part of the fun though is something that i've been uh thinking about a lot is the struggle right the struggle is what makes it fun working hard for it is what makes it fun so don't forget that too Mm -hmm. um but also do your research you know and i think again i'll say again i hope we didn't miss anything major in our pack stuff i don't think we did i think you could definitely survive on what we said um yeah there but you know do test runs and if we missed anything or you have any questions or whatever we're amateur folks but uh you know, feel free to contact us, reach out to us with any questions, thoughts, all that stuff. So, um, also do your research on what you want to do. If you're new at this, uh, another thing I just learned about that I hadn't read about or anything is the spring light goose season here in Minnesota. I didn't know about that. (laughs) And, uh, turns out from what I read, there's no bag limit. You can take as many geese as you want in the spring in Minnesota. Sounds like a good super. Luck. I'm just I... saying, sounds like a super good way to fill the freezer if you need to, or if you can find your honey spot, right? Just another thing to try. So, if yeah, well, snow goose, I think is an entirely different. It's such. I could go off on that. All right. Well, that's another conversation for another time. I'm just trying to say that the world is big out there, and uh, you can do a lot of different things and try a lot of different things as far as hunting and uh, outdoorsmanship in general. Um, morel season is right around the corner, man. I'm getting so excited for that. So excited. Like, as we were like waiting to link up here, like I was, uh, like doing a little internet scouting with, uh, some GIS applications here. Nice. To like match with some places I've been driving around, checking out trees. And like, I am so ready. Nice. (laughs) So do your homework is the rest or is the message here. Do your homework. You could spend hours doing it, but the more you the more you do your research, just like anything, the more you research, the better off you'll be. Um, there are a ton of resources out there at your fingertips. North American Wild Turkey Federation is a new one I just linked up with. Backcountry hunters and anglers were both members of their great, an amazing network of people that to lock you in on. And any one of these uh, uh, people that we mention would be open new people with open arms and would be happy to help you uh, jump right in and really uh, easily find mentors and guidance. Uh, Quality Deer Management Associations, 
engage your wildlife management associations from the state and federal perspective, local perspective, uh, Ducks Unlimited, Pheasants Forever, all that stuff. Plus, we live in the internet age. You have information at your fingertips. Uh, social media groups, I mean, some of them might not be what you want out of them, but a lot of them will be. So engage with social media. I've learned a lot on those. Um, so that's also a good way to engage and educate yourself and learn. So uh, you can find a uh, thanks to Cloud Cult for letting us use the song Running With The Wolves as the intro and outro to our program. And uh, also please reach out to us, find us, communicate with us on social media platforms. We're still working on that Twitter machine. Um, but we've got Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can find us. You already found us on the podcast. And our email is thenewvenivores, T-H-E-N-E-W-V-E-N-I-V-O-R-E-S at gmail.com. Drop us a line. We'd be happy to correspond. Uh, sharpen your teeth. Dig deep. Get out there. Cubicles and little flaming pies